What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 266 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Tuesday evening. We got, I don't know, 48 hours, not even 48 hours, but between the last podcast and a transaction. But alas, it was not Monday or Monday morning at the very least. And joining me to discuss the big news of the day is Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. Hey, Brad. How's it going? Yeah, very exciting. I uh, personally, I know this was an early morning where Charlie Morton signs the one year, 15 million bucks. And it was an early morning signing, especially for myself out on the West Coast. So it was uh, something I really, really liked and we'll dig in. But uh, it was a nice early morning surprise. And as you said, at least at least they gave us a day between the most recent podcast to, to this one. So uh, I guess we can thank Anthopolis for that. Yeah, he usually decides to do things on Mondays, so uh, we'll take we'll take a Tuesday this time around. And uh, I knew you were asleep. I was very confident about that when this hit. So uh, I was talking to Eric, and we started making plans. And Eric Eric has family to deal with, and uh, I was like, "All right, we'll figure this out." And uh, when Scott woke up, I started bugging him, and here we are. It's Tuesday. <laughs> here we are. Um, so yeah, you, you said it. Ch- Charlie Morton coming back to the Braves, although uh, you know it's been a long time. He was actually in the Nate McClough trade. The famous slash infamous Nate Cloth trade in 2009, and uh, Morton is a former Brave through that lens. Um, the rumbling started last night, actually on Monday night. There was some reporting from Mark Bowman and Mark Feinsand um, about the Braves having interest and being pretty aggressive in pursuing Morton. And within like 12 hours of that, you get a, a deal that was being broken. And this is the rare time where the Braves did not just announce this one. It was, there was actual buzz and reporting, and that it was announced shortly thereafter that. And by the way, kind of ironic, it's the exact same contract number that Morton was supposed to get from the Rays. They had a club option on him for one year at $15 million, and that's exactly what he signed for. So, I mean, you you said you, you sort of woke up to this, but what, what was your reaction when you saw this news come across? I'm really happy with it. I think Charlie Morton is somebody who has been incredibly underappreciated the last couple of years. Uh, Mark Bowman, who, as you mentioned, originally broke the deal or at least broke the team's – the team was talking with Morton and his agent – uh, Bowman had a report maybe last winter that the Braves were approached by Morton's reps two winters ago and that Morton wanted to return to Atlanta and pitch for the Braves. He he likes kind of the southeast portion of the country. And of course, he, the Braves either didn't want him or or it just didn't work out in contract, whatever it was. Um, and that was a real shame because in 2019, Morton was genuinely one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, and then this past season, even in a shortened season, which I think was was tougher on veterans, especially guys who have been around for a long time because of the weird lack of schedule. Um, Morton was really good. Once again, he was fantastic in the playoffs. He missed a little bit of time in the middle of the year uh, with, a, with a shoulder injury, which we'll dig into a bit more. But, man, um, he was really, really good in the postseason uh, against some good lineups and uh, not a not a young man who just turned 37, but. I think there's still enough in the tank and on a one-year deal for a team that is trying to win a World Series, you know, of course came within a run of making the World Series last month. Um, I think it's a great deal for both sides and a chance for the Braves to capture even more upside to a team that should be really good on paper. Yeah, I like this move as well. Um, I've, I've already heard from some people after I said that I liked it on Twitter that mentioned the, mentioned the words Cole Hamels and uh, did not like that through that lens. I would just say uh, I would caution people to use – Hamels as a uh, a baseline now. I understand that did not work out very well, and I know they were kind of older guys, more established, all that stuff. But you can't think that every single older guy that signs a one year deal is going to be injured and all that stuff. Could he be injured? Sure. Could he be over the hill? Sure. That, that's definitely part of the risk that the Braves are running here with a 37 year old guy in Morton. Mm-hmm. 
at the same time, it's a one-year deal. I know people don't like those anymore, uh, although they have worked out very well on the hitting side with Ozuna and Donaldson. But, you know, it's still, it's a plan. I know you, we could sort of, I almost don't want to do the whole, like, dive into why they're doing one-year deals so often. I don't really care about that right now, just for this purposes of this episode. But Morton should help them. He's one of the better pitchers that's available on the market um, in terms of just a guy for 2021 specifically. Obviously, he's not going to be a long-term piece for you at 37 years old. Is he as good as Trevor Bauer? No, he's not. But for what the Braves have been doing and where their payroll probably is, this is mm-hmm. about as good as they, as they could probably reasonably do for next year only. So, yeah. um, you know, especially, and this is another thing I want to say before I go back to you, there's the contingent of Braves fans, and I'd say with good reason, that wants to see a lot of the young guys. And that's that, that makes a ton of sense. Um this is a good way to bridge to the young guys. Um, signing a guy who's good now for one year is a good way to add depth for you now. And if um, if everybody pops, if for some reason Cal Wright is just dominant now or Ian Anderson just lights out, then there's no worries for the following season and beyond. So it's a yeah. good bridge, and you, you, you just need depth. I mean, Anthopoulos said that as well. Anthopoulos said, candidly, on the record today to reporters that they want to have six starters that they feel good about. And I echo that. I mean, we talked about this a lot for the last couple of weeks, even, even beyond that. Five guys is not enough, and this is this is now six with Kyle Wright, um, and so sign me up for that. Absolutely, and yes, the one-year deal, he's 37 years old. There is risk with these older guys, and we saw with Hamill's injury that, that hurt, but you're absolutely right. Just because one veteran pitcher got hurt does not mean that Morton is going to get hurt uh, before this year, and of course 2020 is such an odd kind of outlier year, but he made upwards of 25 starts in 2017, 2018, 2019, when he was, uh, I think, finished third in Cy Young voting uh, a full year ago through 194 innings with the Rays. He was so, so good. So, yeah, I mean, he's 37 years old. If, if he was 30 in coming off these seasons, he would get a six-year deal worth upwards of $100 million. No problem. So the, the age and the risk factor is built into the contract. Um, and as you said, I, I still don't understand why it's such a point of contention sometimes after we watch the Braves lose six starting pitchers within a stretch of maybe five weeks this past season. And again, I know it was a weird year, but man, it is absolute best case scenario that if all of a sudden you have six really good starting pitchers, uh, that is not a problem in the least. And you can work with that and you can figure things out, keep guys fresh, uh, skip a start here and there just to make sure they're ready to go in August and September, because we've seen, uh, especially with that 2018 Braves team, they were just out of gas by the end of the year. And you need to keep these guys fresh. It's it's so apparent that 162 games is going to wear on you. At some point, someone's going to get hurt. Mike Soroka, you do not want to rush him back. You want to make sure he's 110% before you start having him throw competitive pitches, at least in my opinion, because of just how valuable of an asset he is. Max Freed has had some injury, you know, minor stuff since his Tommy John when he was younger. But Freed's had a couple things. Again, Ian Anderson was phenomenal last September and October, but he is a guy who has made nine big league starts. I mean, again, there's, these are not this, this is not Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin, who you feel 1000% good about. Um, the rotation could be very good, but again, you need at least five, if not six or seven guys you feel confidently on. Yeah. We came into the off season talking about that, you know, at least one was, one was an absolute necessity, which they addressed with Drew Smiley. But even then on that podcast, the last couple, last couple of shows, I know you and Eric talked about it. I do. I deal with Joe on the last episode, that wasn't going to be enough, and we talked about that. So they had to do something else. You know, just having five guys is not enough, especially with 
you know, we're all hoping Soroka's going to be awesome, but he's a guy who has an injury coming back from um, Kyle Wright's not like a fully established major league starter right now. Uh, he's flashed. Anderson, I think we can kind of trust what you saw at the end of last season, but regardless, you still want depth, uh, particularly with Soroka only. And by the way, it is good that Soroka was seen throwing on video this week. That, that's a positive development, to be sure. But six guys is not too many. I do think that this is probably going to be it for major starting pitching acquisitions because they've now spent $26 million in the last week and a half for next season. That's probably going to be it. I mean, I guess they could probably bring in another arm for spring, like a a veteran on a minimum, like non-guaranteed deal kind of thing. But in terms of just actual investments, this is probably it. So the rotation as it stands is Max Freed, Mike Soroka, Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, Drew Smiley, and then your contingent of Kyle Wright etc. You know, your Bryce Wilson types from there. And th- that's probably what you need. I mean, obviously last year went so poorly that we could talk about that forever. But realistically, this you can't just sign eight starters. So not even I'm saying that, that, you, that you have to do that. But six <laughs> is a good number. Yeah. And if I said that, and by the way, if I said that they only considered three guys on the market and they signed two of them. Now, if you want to believe that um, on its face, I- I'll take it. It also could be spin. But regardless, this, these are two guys who they clearly targeted and did so pretty mm-hmm. actively because most of the market still hasn't moved yet, and the Braves already had two signings. You're absolutely right, and I think as we sit here, and who knows what the next year will entail, right? But it's it's November 24th. If I had to bet, I think there's a pretty good chance that one of, just by the sheer nature of pitching injuries and volatility and, and skipping starts and faux disabled list or, or injured list stints, um, you know, Kyle Wright and or Bryce Wilson, whoever, assuming they're still on the team, will have a lot of chances next season to still pitch. They will throw meaningful innings, I guarantee you. And if somehow the Braves get a thousand innings out of those five guys above and they never have to turn to anyone else, then it's a, it's a very good. Yeah. Yes, right. It is a it is a miracle. And again, we, we've talked before. So few pitchers now throw 200 plus innings. Um, with the rare exception, your Justin Verlanders, your Max Scherzers, um, especially younger pitchers, you know the Braves do not want Max Freed to throw upwards of 200 innings plus postseason next year. There is no chance they're going to let Soroka get there. Ian Anderson is is probably going to be capped, uh, or not even capped, but kind of slowed down and limited to, to well below 200. So again, um, this also brings uh, some insurance if if Drew Smiley, who was really good last year, if all of a sudden that was more smoke and mirrors and he's more of like a fourth or a fifth starter, this does hide him a bit better, which is good. Um, and, and I think with Morton, again, you have some very legitimate upside here. Maybe he isn't going to be quite as good as he was in 2019, but even on the shortened season, he was still on pace to be about a three war pitcher in 2020. If that's who he is next year and you can add a guy like that for one year, 15 million, uh, I think you're in really good shape. Yeah. So, Let's talk about the pitcher. We, we've mentioned it a couple times here, but you know, 37 years old, of course. Last year's ERA was not great in only the nine starts, but his peripherals were much better than that. He pitched at a level of you know mid threes, FIP, about 10 Ks per nine, about two and a half walks per nine. He was very good, um, even last year in a small sample size. And before that, he was awesome in 2019 with a 3.05 ERA and almost 200 innings with the Rays. He was good with he was good with Houston before that. And by the way, the last four seasons. He is tied for 12th in Major League Baseball in war, according to Fangraphs, for Mm. for starting pitchers. Now, you can't expect that. I will say that. I'm not projecting Morton to be a top 12 pitcher in baseball next season, but it's just worth noting that he has been that good for four seasons 
And that doesn't, I mean, that includes this year where he wasn't as good. So it wasn't like I'm, I'm cherry picking here. That's a four season sample in which he's just basically just lights out low three ZRA guy who is effective, strikes out a lot of guys, doesn't walk a ton, uh, limits home runs, just does a lot of things. Well, his velocity is down a little bit at his age, which is not a huge surprise, but you know, this is a guy who just has been good for a long time now. He's not as famous as some of the other guys on that list, but that's okay. Maybe that actually helped your market to some degree. And as you said earlier, he might have limited his market artificially to only a couple teams anyway, because he could have retired. So I don't know. You're, you're getting a guy who has real pedigree. I get the Hamill stuff. I, I totally do. But $15 million is not a huge investment. I mean, it's, it's a lot of money for this year. I, I get that. But it's a one-year deal on a guy who, if he stays healthy, there is basically every reason to believe he will return value on yeah. that on that contract. Like, it may not be home run value, but if he eats some innings and pitches pretty well... $15 million for one season is not bad at all. No, it's not. And, you know, looking at Morton's career here, it's interesting because as he kind of hit his mid-30s, which is where pitchers usually go to die, um, he was like the epitome of a back-end number five innings eater with, of course, the Braves had him, then the Pirates, uh, spent a year with the Phillies, a short year, but then, of course, went to the Astros in 2017. And who knows what Houston's doing in their back rooms with everything. But, man, his his career took off with the Astros. He was really, really good 2017, 2018. And then he goes to the Rays, who are as good of an organization as there is in baseball and was even better that year. So, yeah, I mean, could he get hurt? Absolutely. But, the, I mean, pitchers especially, you just don't know. I mean, Mike Soroka was was generally healthy his entire minor league career and and then all of a sudden he tears his Achilles you just can't predict pitcher injuries they happen so frequently it's kind of like running backs in the NFL you just close your eyes and hope they hold up for the full year um if he was 30 years old and hadn't missed a start in three years he would be quadrupling this kind of money so sure um I think it's uh I think it's a worthwhile deal and and he's also regarded uh very well by his peers I know that's something Anthopoulos is as uh, prioritized and um, yeah, I would hope that kind of like we saw with Cole Hamels, even though he wasn't able to pitch uh, you know, him working with some of these young pitchers, he's a guy with a wealth of pitching knowledge and you would hope that some of that will rub off on the young guys. Yeah. I mean, this is one projection and zips is not out yet for Charlie Morton, but steamer projects him at 2.7 war for 2020. If that happens, that's relatively modest and that is more than okay. You know, if he, if he's a two war pitcher next year, no one's going to be throwing a parade, but that's more than enough for what you're paying him for one season to just kind of plug a plug a gap. So yeah. he doesn't have to be awesome. That's something that you just have to emphasize. I know it seems like $15 million is a ton of money. I, I do get that. That was part of the problem with Hamels, and obviously it went even worse because he, he just couldn't pitch. But we said this about him as well. You don't have to be awesome to earn, quote-unquote, $15 million in a one-year contract. Like You, you could just, just be okay. That, that's all you got to do, frankly. And I think Morton... You, you can be pretty confident he can do that. Obviously, the age and the shoulder stuff and the, all that stuff is valid concerns. It's not going to stun me. I, 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 I doubt it'll stun you if Morton has some injuries and doesn't like set the world on fire. But again, the bar is not as high as you might think. If it was a four-year deal for $60 million, same annual value, <laughs> that's a lot yeah. more risky. But one year... Um, it's just fine. It really is. Like it, you could, I certainly see the argument for it not being like this sexy move that's gonna, you know, change the course of the NL East. I, I get all that, but you got to tell me who they're who they're signing that's better than him, and that's that's my thing yeah. on this. Uh, I know that maybe you could have assigned some more money to the lineup. And we'll talk about that in a second. But short of Bauer, there really isn't anybody that I will 
be confident it's better than Morton for next season, honestly, on, oh. on the entire market. So what are you going to do? Well, in the one year deal for pitchers, again, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be hypocritical because I came on the podcast a few months ago and lamented the Cole Hamels and the exact nature of older players because they are more likely to get hurt. But man, you're right. I mean, who else is out there that's better than Morton and is available on a one year deal? I mean, is, is Masahiro Tanaka better than Charlie Morton? Maybe, probably if you had to bet on it today, but he's probably going to get a three or four year deal at around 15 million. If I have to make that choice, I know 10 times out of 10, which way I'm going. Yeah, so I feel good about it. We'll obviously talk about him more often when we get closer to the season, but I think you can tell that our reaction is pretty positive to this move. I'm not, again, throwing a parade, but it's a good signing that we uh, that we enjoy. Um, pivoting a little bit, there is some payroll stuff to hit on here because of the investment that they're making for 2021 in, in particular. And as Mark Bowman has laid out, and as we talked about this podcast as well, essentially 70 million or so is coming off the books from last year. Then you got to, then you have to project about ten million dollars in raises to guys who are coming back for arbitration raises. So it's about sixty million dollars that you essentially have to play with if, and again if, the payroll is the same as it was last year, which is a huge question mark. Now they've spent twenty six million so far with Smiley and Morton. If you want to count the other million for uh, Josh Tomlin, you can do that as well. But we'll, we'll just stop at Smiley and Morton. Twenty six million dollars that leaves you leaves you with about thirty four million dollars again if they maintain the exact same payroll level as last year. That is a question. I know we've gotten that question dating back to Smiley. You know, what's this mean for payroll? We're all hoping they spend. I mean, I'm not I'm not telling any secrets there. I, I hope they spend more money. I just think that I would not assume that they're going to raise payroll because that's something that basically no one in baseball seems to be talking about for any team is teams raising payroll for this year. Most teams are like maybe hoping to stay flat and a lot of talk about maybe lowering payroll because of the pandemic and all that stuff. So if the Braves spend where they were last year, I will not criticize that whatsoever. If they raise it, then good on them. Um, and by that, by the way, that, that number could also expand in terms of what they have available. If they can go off enter NCRT, there's stuff that they can do to, to dump some money. Yeah. But I guess the question that I would have for you, Scott is what now, because everyone was asking, you know, what about Ozuna? What about the outfield? It's all, it's just plug one hole and now, now, there, now there's the others. And I get that. So let's assume $35 million for now. Yeah. What do they do? Because you still have to address like Melanson and Green and the bullpen. And of course, the gaping hole in uh, left, but we'll, we'll call it left field for now. Yeah. Well, you know, the math here is really not hard because again, if, you said $70 million came off the books. They're going to have about $10 million in raises. Um, even if you're generous and say that Liberty's going to cut payroll by $10 million, right? They're, they're not sure what gates are going to be like next year. Um, so let's call it $50 million, right? And they've spent $26 million roughly. Even if they only have, we'll call it $25 million for math purposes, I think they can still pretty much fill the, the holes on their roster without – too much, you know, finagling of the of the old calculator here. Because if you if you estimate they have twenty five thirty million, you know, even even handsome estimates for Marcelo Zuna have him at twenty million dollars a year. I mean, even if you have to pay top dollar on a shorter deal for Ozuna, call it a a three year sixty million dollar deal for him, you know, then you still have roughly five million. I would think you could get a Mark Melanson, a Shane Green. 
maybe you know maybe another veteran type of arm for for five million dollars. You probably yeah, can't not get not both. both. Right. I was right. gonna say that's the one thing. You're, you're probably you're probably gonna cut a little bit in the, uh, out of the bullpen here, which they should. They should. And yeah, that's the thing. Like part of the reason why the Will Smith investment was a little bit questionable was that that's a lot of money for him. And he's a good pitcher. I think we agree on that, even if people don't necessarily buy that. But the bullpen is not going to be as expensive no. next year as it was this year. And that's that's just kind of normal operating, too. You know, Basically, no one in baseball spends that much on a bullpen other than like the Yankees because it's hard to spend money on bullpens. And last year, we knew because it was so bad in 2019, they invested <laughs> in it. And they had to, they had all those guys, and they, they had to paper that sort of paper over it. But realistically, no one should be expecting them to carry, you know, three or four guys making six plus million dollars in the bullpen. That just no. doesn't. That's, that's not going to happen on this kind of payroll. So I'm with you. I think you got to expect maybe one more good bullpen arm, and not two or three. Sure, sure. So yeah, if you if you estimate they have, and again, that was with them cutting ten million off of last year's payroll, and I could we could be wrong on that. I mean, I, I don't think. Yeah, they may not. Honestly, yeah. I, mean, I mean, li- all- Liber- they have money. Liberty Media. That's the thing. Like, I'm not trying to poo-poo on this because <laughs> it's just a baseball thing. I'm not trying to. I know we. I've criticized Liberty in the past. This is not me doing that. I think most people, if you read the tea leaves in baseball nationally, not not just the Braves, no one is talking about teams raising payroll right now. No, no one. No. It's all about like, will they maintain payroll? No yeah. one's saying that they need to raise payroll this year. I, I would say it's probably encouraging that they came out of the gates and spent this much money on Smiley and Morton that maybe they will maintain payroll. But like mm-hmm. you said, even if they don't go all the way up to where they were last year, because by the way, last year was higher than we thought it was going to be. So yeah. shouts to them for that. But if they go $10 million short, like you said, that's not going to be out of step with the rest of baseball, I wouldn't imagine. No, no. I mean, I would be amazed if if teams all of a sudden start blowing the lid off of what they spent last year. And- yep. Um, so yeah, so even if conservatively, if, if we say they have $25 million to spend this winter and then maybe, you know, Anthopolis always likes to have a few bucks in his back pocket, which is always smart. Even if they have 25 million conservatively, you can get a Marcelo Zuna, a Michael Brantley, a George Springer, one of those types, or maybe you, you, you miss out on the top dogs and have to shift to like a Jock Peterson or a Nelson Cruz, you know, Obviously, there's a range in salaries there, but let's say if, if you have Ozuna for $18 million and you grab Mark Melanson on a $6 million deal and then you add, as everyone gets ready to throw the tomatoes here, Tyler Flowers on like a, a million yeah, dollars. Yeah, baby, I'm, re- I'm ready for it. I'm ready I'm ready uh, for your mentions personally, Scott, if they go. sign Tyler Flowers. I'm excited for at, that. <laughs> at Scott Coleman 55. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> um, and then you have to defend me, as you always do, which I appreciate. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think... I guess what I'm saying is conservatively, they can still add a big bat, whether it's Ozuna or somebody else. They can still add a veteran bullpen arm, which I think they need. I, I think they overspent on the bullpen a year ago, and now they can kind of naturally correct that because both Melanson and Green, who earned $24 million last year combined, are going to make maybe a third of that next year for one of them. Um and then if you know if you want to if money's really tight you could probably forego Flowers and roll with with Alex Jackson or Contreras as your backup. Yep. Uh, or or someone even cheaper than Flowers. So that's hard to imagine. I would imagine he would play for a million or two two million bucks if if it meant that or retirement or having to leave. Um, so yeah, there's there's still room here. I, I think you're right. This is for sure the end of the the spending for the rotation. I think they had one bullpen arm of any kind of decent money. And then, you know, they're going to take their flyers on the Tyler Matzik types and hope that you strike gold again. 
Um, and, and then the bat. I mean, that is left field, DH, whatever you want to call it. That's a very real need. You have to have something there. I mean, it's, it, yeah. it doesn't have to be Ozuna. We've all said that, but they have to sign another bat, and it's got to be a DH or a or an outfielder, basically. Or maybe I, I guess they can go third base if they want to go crazy. But um, mm-hmm. they got to add one more bat to the lineup. We all know that. Um, oh, I wanted to make sure I made this point before I forget to. And uh, I apologize because I had I'm, I made a note as to who brought this up to me, and I forgot. Um, this is not my idea, but it makes a ton of sense actually. If you do the math, Cole Hamels and Mike Fultonavich made about two million dollars less last year than Drew Smiley and Charlie Morton will make in 2021. Hmm. So just do that math in your head. I know it's not a perfect comparison, but if you're worried about the money investment in Smiley and Morton, the Braves made Game Seven of the National League Championship Series last year with Cole Hamels and Mike Fulton, which making the same money. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's not a perfect <laughs> not, not a perfect comparison. I just want to make sure. Some I, I mean I feel bad because somebody tweeted that at me. And I, I don't know who it was. So my, my apologies if you sent that in. Yell at me later on Twitter. But I I laughed and smiled and I sort of nodded my head when I saw that. I was like, oh, actually, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. We've obviously been talking about the roster for the last several episodes, so we're just putting a cap on it now because of the fact that they've now invested substantially in another pitcher. The rotation should be good. Uh, it can't. Okay, I, I, I almost said it can't be worse. It, I won't say that. Knock on wood. It shouldn't be worse than it was last year. It should be much better than it was last year. And if you can uh, sort of trade that off, maybe a slight dip in the uh, offense because the offense may dip a little because it was so good last year that you're still trying to balance it out and have a really good team. So I feel good about the Braves right now. I mean, I'm not known for my optimism necessarily, Scott, but I feel like they're building a team that looks to be going in the right direction. They have the, still have all the, all the young talent. They are yeah. uh, pretty loaded in a lot of places. And if they fill out the roster with the remaining, let's hope, 20-plus million dollars, then they'll be in good shape. Yeah. I mean, it is, uh, again, I, I saw this earlier, it is entirely possible that with Smiley and Morton and without – any other team for the most part adding any kind of players so far with, with the exception of a couple of the qualifying offer guys, I think you can make a decent argument, maybe not a clear cut argument, but a decent one that the Braves have on paper, the second best roster in baseball right now, for sure. The second best in the national league. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just a matter of how you feel about the Yankees. They have some pitching question marks now. Um, I, I think it's really, it's, it's the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Braves, the Rays are very good. Though on paper they may not translate as well as others, but yeah, I think with these two additions, because they needed to add some veteran, not just innings eaters, but legitimately good pitchers when they're when they're healthy and going right, I, I think you can argue the Braves have at worst the top three roster in baseball. Now it remains to be seen if if they can take that next step as a team, and who knows what's going to transpire over the next eleven plus months. But I think as of November twenty fourth, this is a very very good roster. Yeah, I, I agree. We're going into Thanksgiving week here. Uh, we'll see what they do. Uh, it could be quiet. There is the one hole we all know they have to fill at some point, whether Ozuna or otherwise, and we'll talk about it when it happens. Also, like projections are coming out in some ways. Zips came out, I believe, earlier today about the Braves. We'll, t- we'll touch on that at a later date. But, yeah, we're ramping up. I mean, we never really ramped down, I guess, Scott, because, because the season went all the way into deep October. But yeah. here we are. It's Thanksgiving week, and we're talking about baseball, which uh, no complaints here. Just for just for the record, no complaints. No, no I mean, yeah, and hey, shout out to Brad. Uh, if you're a Hawks fan, make sure you're checking out Brad's work. Whew. He's been working overtime, and you know it's it's a good time of year, even with everything in the world going on. As a sports fan, this is as good as it gets with with everything going on. And um, yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Thank you for uh, for tuning in tonight, and 
yeah, Brad, hopefully we can get you a couple couple days off here to just mentally and, and physically recover. Hopefully uh, I <laughs> watch the Braves do something else tomorrow morning just to just to spite you one more time. But, yeah, or uh, like or like Thanksgiving midday, like Anthopolis ooh. signs Ozuna at like one p.m. <laughs> on Thanksgiving Day or something outrageous. Yeah. But no, we'll uh, we'll be here. I-, I will say this: I'm not committing to another podcast this week. I was planning on doing a podcast on Sunday um, if I possibly could. I'm not going to tell you that's definitely happening now after the second show already this week. But if that happens, don't be surprised. And we'll, we'll be here. We're not going anywhere. We're not going to go too long without a podcast. I refuse to allow that to happen. But this emergency show will fill in a lot of those gaps. Hopefully, if you have questions, you can fire them at us on Twitter. We'll answer them there or answer them here as well. And Scott will be back soon. Uh, I, tried, I tried to let you and Eric off the hook this week because you guys <laughs> carried me last week. And then, of course, uh, here we are. Here we are. Always happy to be on. It's uh, it's a lot of fun when you have a good team, right? We, we've done some podcasts years ago where this team was not great, and it was like, oh, they signed so-and-so to be the uh, rotating utility infielder for a team that's projected to win 67 games. Let's <laughs> let's do a podcast on it. But no, it's, it's a lot of fun, and uh, again, hopefully we get a couple days off for you to take a break and unwind <laughs> and uh, and all that good stuff. It's a holiday. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Also, almost everything we said on the show with Joe Lucci and I on Sunday is still relevant. So if you missed that one, at least download it for me. That'd be a great help to the podcast. Just in general, downloading old episodes is probably good for us. So go ahead and do that if you want to support the podcast in the best possible way. Uh, follow Scott on Twitter at scottcoleman 55 to yell at him about Arizona or whatever else he's been saying or The Office yeah. or whatever topic it is in that moment. You can follow Eric as well at Leprechaun. You can follow me if you want to hear about the Hawks most of the time at BT Roland. Follow the show overall, I would say, as well as at Talking Chop. And by the way, written content still coming. We had a breakdown of the uh, Morton signing today in written form. So all that stuff is still happening on the site. Check us out there as well. And we'll see you all next time. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.